Hello and welcome to YFS Radio. Today's interview sees Louis Cooper chatting to Paul Hanlon of Hibs and the Hanlon Stevenson Foundation. They chat youth football, progressing into the professional ranks, being capped for Scotland and the community work of his foundation. So without any further ado, here's Louis. So the first question, Paul, is um, you started your youth career at Hutchinson Vale, Edinburgh, which of course is one of like, the most well-established youth teams in Edinburgh. What, what, what were your kind of memories of your time there when you were younger? Oh, to be honest, nothing but great memories. Um, loved my time playing playing at that boys club. Um, obviously, I was there from maybe five, six-year-old until the end of the 14 season, so uh, spent a good a good bit of time through my, my youth career there. Um, had a, an amazing coach in Tam Smith, who's kind of the club leader there, um, and and I'm part of a, a good team as well. So um, no, I loved I loved every second there, and not just not just the football side of it, but the social side and the, the kind of grounding that you got at Hutchie was was amazing, and kind of kind of life lessons as well as well as football lessons as well. So. Um, no, I feel very, very fortunate and lucky to have to have been at such a great club when I was when I was um, kind of learning learning my skills, I suppose, as as a as a young boy. Yeah, so you do, uh, do you went from the Hutchie youth scheme into the Hibs youth scheme afterwards, and then made your debut in two thousand and eight. What what how much do you remember in the kind of lead up to the game and the day itself overall? Do you remember much from back then? Yeah, well, I, I left Hutchie at like. I said the start of the under fifteen season, um, and I said a couple of a couple of seasons before going full time, leaving school and going full time, um, and then for then on, really for the minute I left school, my main focus was to to make my debut in the first team. That was that was all I was focusing on. That was what I was I was desperate to do, and I said to kind of prove myself in the under nineteens team, and had a few appearances in the reserve team as well, um, and just kind of you get to a stage where you've you've worked hard and you you've um, you've kind of got yourself to a level, but you do need a bit of luck potentially to get to get into the first team. If there's people ahead of you that are playing well, then um, the, the chance may not come along. And, and I believe that's probably happened to a few players that I played with at my age group, where had they been given a chance at a certain time, that they may have went on and had really good careers at Hibs. Um, and I was I was kind of just fortunate enough where. I'd been playing in midfield and uh, boys club level, and the coach who ended up who, who was taking me for under 15s ended up being the under 19s coach as well. So um, he kind of right away saw something in me that that could potentially be a defender. Um, and originally I was thinking, nah, that's that's not for me at all. I'd, I'd only ever thought about playing in midfield, and I was in a good touchy team where I was thinking about going forward forward all the time, and all of a sudden someone's telling me I'm a defender. Um, so. Originally, I was thinking like that's that's not going to work for me. Um, but no, I was I was lucky that I came in full time, and by this time I'd I'd played a few games in the youth teams as a defender, left back, sometimes a couple of games at right back, um, centre half as well. So um, I was trying to kind of learn my trade in the positions, um, and it came out as I said I had a few games in the reserves and. Um, Mixy Pitline and had just been announced as the the new Hibs manager, so it was his first match. And David Murphy was carrying a knock, and Lewis Stevenson had a knock as well. So, um, I, I kind of I still find it 
amazing that Mick's on his first game as a manager for, for Hibs where he was an absolute legend. He uh, he chose me, a, a player who'd never played, a 17 year old who'd never played first team football to play left back in his first game. Um, so I think it would have been easy to kind of throw a more experienced player and saying, kind of do me a favour for this game and, and go in there. But all credit to him and uh, he was brave and he threw me in and that's something I'll be also uh, so grateful to him for for the rest of my career that he had that bravery to throw me in. Um, and the match itself was Scottish Cup game against Inverness. Um, I just, it was just kind of, it's, it's a bit of a blur now probably. I can remember kind of snippets of the game, but end up getting like, about 65 minutes, getting cramping both my calves. Um, just pure like adrenaline, nerves, excitement, everything coming out at once. And by 65 minutes, I was done. So I think by that time, it was 2 0 in the game. And I finished 3-0, so a great day all round, really. Dream debut. You know, just, just whilst you're going down memory lane, like what what uh, advice or wisdom would you give to Paul Hamlin of 2008 if it, if you could? Um, I'll go back to then now. I'd probably say, I'd probably say believe in yourself a bit more. Um, looking, Sorry, back now, looking back now, I'd probably say that I, I probably took too long to accept and realise that I was a first-team player or good enough to be a first-team player. Um, I'd say, like, obviously I'm at a stage now where I'm 31 and, and played numerous games now, but um, it probably, I think it took me too long to, to really believe in myself and believe within myself that I was I was good enough to play at that level. Um, so nah, I'd say if I was kind of sitting there the, the night before my debut, then that would be my advice to myself. Yeah, just thinking how many games you played now, because you're now tenth in the all-time appearance list for Hibs. Like, say something uh, I I told you that 13 years ago. Like, how do you think you reacted to hearing that? I'd be delighted. I'd be absolutely over the moon. Um, I said I, I was a, I was a Hibs fan growing up as well, so to to get one opportunity to see my name on the back of a Hibs strip and playing a professional game was was incredible. So. Nah, I would have been amazed and shocked, um, but absolutely over the moon if you if you told me that uh, that I'd have I'd have so many games under my belt for the for the team that I supported growing up. Yeah, definitely. Definitely kind of like a, a dream to kind of go and then play for your boyhood team and be able to achieve such highly plays for the team. But um, what's what's your kind of ma- ma- match day routine like? We are, at, at, at the start of each game, do you have a kind of routine or meals or? Considering music players listen to in the run up to each game, um, yeah, I probably have a few a few kind of routines. It's probably just um, kind of stick. I wouldn't say identical every every Friday night, but the the majority of what I'm eating the night before the games is the same every week. Um, and then into a match day, um, I probably I would say a few years ago I kind of changed my diet a bit on match days and and went probably. I had this. I think when you're younger, you probably think, right, you're playing in football. You need all the carbs you can get, and hammer and pasta, and and when I, I kind of changed to like, I can my my last meal before a match, I, I don't eat any carbs anymore. I try and have my carbs early the night before or in the morning of a game, um, and I feel that helped me a lot. So that's probably a, a routine I'm in now where, uh, I'd say my my last meal before a game is probably like kind of like salmon, eggs, and beans. No, no kind of pastas or toast or anything like that. Um, and then there's a few things in terms of like how I get changed, but 
I'd say it's more routine rather than superstition. Um, if if for any reason I do something in a different order, then it's it's not going to throw me too much. So, yeah. um, I it's it's probably just routine. But I think if you ask any football player, um, how they kind of get ready and how they prepare for games and training, then we're all in kind of routine. We're all kind of creatures of habit that way, where we kind of like to stick to what we know and um. I try and do, especially if something works. If you win the, the if I won last last week, I'd be looking to do the exact same this week. So it's it's kind yeah, of can you, how it works. Yeah, I can imagine that you you want to keep the same thing. Just going back to how you said that you you start off as a midfielder, you know, and I, in in your career you you scored a couple of goals. Um, is there any kind of goals that really kind of stand out to you that you you almost think you know what if I was a striker I'd be proud of that one. Um. Um, I've had a, I, I probably had I'd probably say I've scored maybe just as many with my feet as I have with my my head. Um, so there's probably there's probably a few like quite nice finishes that maybe strikers would like. But I had one goal against Dunfermline. It was one of the last games of the season, and we needed to win. Um, we're in a kind of relegation battle at the time. It was us and Dunfermline. Um, and we ended up beating them four 0 at home, and I scored the fourth goal, but. What happened is I've ended up breaking out to the back and passing it wide, and I followed my run on the edge of the box, and the cross came in, and I volleyed it with my right foot, hit the bar, went down, oh. and the, the linesman's gave it, but it was like a yard. It was it wasn't in anyway. It was a yard uh, ahead of the line, um, but the linesman's gave it as a goal, so I'm away celebrating. It wasn't until after the game you realise it was it was nowhere near going in, but that's probably technique-wise, that's my best goal, even though it didn't cross the line. Wouldn't yeah, count. Yeah, yeah. If, it, if it did, it would have been my best career goal by a mile. Yeah. Um. I mean, earlier, well, well, late last year, earlier, you were you were in the Scotland squad, yeah, and you you made your first appearance in Scotland. How different was it to be kind of actually in the rounds playing the team than actually sitting at home and watching the game for once? Does it feel different? Yeah, completely different. Obviously, um. I've kind of grown up under 19s and 21s. I had uh, loads of caps at the levels and played loads of games and, and loved going to all these different countries and representing Scotland. It was something I was really proud of. And um, throughout my first team career, I've been I've been desperate to get in that full squad. Um, I'd been in, been in the squad once before um, on the bench and never got on. Um, so then this time, Delighted to be called up. Was called up quite late into the squad. Um, there was a few call-offs, suspensions, and injuries, so called into the squad. And I was sitting on the bench, probably, probably getting to the stage where there's 15, 20 minutes to go, thinking I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to get on here. Um, or holding on a one-nil lead. Um, but the next minute, Steve Clark turned to me and said that he wanted me to go on, and we're kind of they were putting a lot of high balls into the box, and um, I just wanted me to go on, kind of kind of like a left wing back really but really just to sit and sit and narrow and, and defend the crosses um so i absolutely delighted to get on the pitch amazing experience um up there with whatever i do in my career going forward that that scotland strip will be one of my one of my most uh, treasured items so um i know amazing amazing experience and delighted i finally got that cap that I've, i was desperate for kind of ever since i finished playing with the under 21s to be honest yeah, and I can imagine it would be quite like a, a thrilling experience to actually get to play for your country and in like such a pivotal moment of the country and how the momentum you build up with the Euros this summer, you know. 
Um, but just kind of thinking, you know, like you're not going to play forever as much as I think you'd want to. You know, um, have you given any any considerations for what you want to do once you retire? You know, when that eventually comes. Yeah, yeah, I've given a lot of thought about thought about it. Um, probably the wrong side of thirty now. Um, just on thirty one in January. So once you get into these years as a football player, you know, it's kind of it's it, you know, kind of the latter stage, if you, if you want to call it, maybe the, the last third of your, your career. Um, and I obviously like to think I've, I've looked after myself quite well. Um, touch wood, I've had a not too bad injury history. So um, I've just got to kind of look after myself as best I can and hopefully I can keep playing as, as long as I possibly can. Um, and I love playing, I really love playing and, and hopefully that um, I can keep that going and Kind of, it's, it's all there with your your body as, re, as well, really. Um, obviously, I'd need to need to keep getting contracts somewhere, but um, as long as my body's fit and healthy, and um, then then I, then I'll kind of keep going. Um, and in terms of after that, after I do finish, I've I've done my B license, coaching courses. I'm working through my A license at the minute, um, which I've really enjoyed. Um, looking forward to really giving the, the coaching a a bash and, and kind of seeing if I'm any good at it to be honest I was had a lot of plans to try and start coaching within the Hibs Academy um, this this season really but Covid's kind of knocked that on the head at the minute um, so that's that's pretty disappointing but as I said I'm working through the A-licence but most of it's online at the minute um, really enjoying it and then I'm doing a, an online degree at the same time Okay, yeah. which is business and, and enterprise and sport, which is kind of focuses on um, setting up a business, organizing a business, how a business works, um, and it all relates to kind of sport as well. There's a lot of psychology modules on it, bits on leadership. So there's a lot that I can kind of link to coaching. And if I was kind of in a workplace where it was maybe completely separate from football, whereas when I finish it, there's it's kind of there's not there's not loads of roles available within football, so I feel by doing this degree, I'm kind of preparing myself for both avenues where there's there's plenty of aspects of it which will help me on a coaching side of it, but there's also loads of aspects that um, I'm going to learn about in terms of business and, and things like that as well. So, um, and at the same time, it's given me a good focus uh, off the pitch as well. There's a lot of pressure for, for playing for Hibs and, and playing professional football as well, so I feel that when I kind of sit down at night and do a bit of studying, it, it takes my mind off it a bit. Yeah, so you've definitely looked at what you want to do in the future. But um, how about the Hanlon and Stevenson Foundation? Will you be able to maybe tell me a bit about how it started and what and what is your you do currently at the moment? You you, you yourself and Lewis Stevenson, yeah. Yeah, it was it was between uh, me, Lewis, and um, a few of the guys that that uh, helped run our testimonial committees. Um, so now they they've done an incredible job um, throughout our testimonial years and organised organized some, some great events um, and at the end of, at the start of Lewis's year and at the start of mine I, we, we both knew that we were looking to kind of do it, give a bit back to charity um, different charities so we both done that and um, and then there's still money left over um, that we thought kind of came together I think it was it was Graham who's kind of it was the chairman of the, the testimonial foundations he um, uh, the testimonials sorry he he um, he kind of, kind of put the idea to us about a, a, a potential foundation and we looked at it, had good discussions and kind of came up with the same sort of ideas. So 
um, I had that's when it kind of got the ball rolling. And um, no, our, our kind of idea at the minute is just trying to help as many kind of underprivileged, less privileged kids um, in the Edinburgh area um, as, as we can, really. Where where that's, I'd say mostly around kind of involvement in sport, but. There, there is other avenues as well that have been going down, especially through kind of COVID and things like that as well, where there isn't as much kind of football activity going on. So, um, yeah, it's, it's the main focus is, is helping kids and um, especially in the kind of, uh, as I said, less privileged areas, Edinburgh, um, try to give them a, a helping hand and, and a bit more involvement in sport. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking, like, the motto of your charity is together, we can make a difference. Like, what are some of the differences that you've been able to make so far whilst working with the charity, whilst that's the charity, working with other local charities? Yeah, exactly. We've, we've worked with a lot of other charities around Edinburgh that are already doing a, a lot of really good work. Um, we, we first started a partnership with Street Soccer Scotland to... Um, provide football um for for kids in these areas um and we've we funded a, an additional coach for them so by having this additional coach that it meant they can put on so more so many more sessions um across edinburgh and benefit so many kids so we actually went along and looked at a lot of sessions um so in western hills and we went and watched one sessions and the, the guy was kind of explaining one of the coaches that was already there was explaining how when these kids were leaving school, they were just, um, just basically causing causing mayhem on the way home on the streets and just being disruptive and, um, I just, just doing things they shouldn't be doing um, on their way home from school. But having this this kind of coaching, it's more like a drop in session. He didn't. There was no one being forced to go, but having that option there to to drop in and say, drop in for an hour and play some football, um, it kind of. It kind of fit people a bit more and probably just used up a bit more energy to be honest um, and and they went home happy after that so um ah, that's one of, that's one of the big differences i think we made by funding this additional coach for street soccer scotland and um i think by just by doing that one coach that that person's now in touch with with so many kids across edinburgh that that'll make a difference to them and give them that kind of opportunity and platform to play a bit of football um, right. And there's other ones as well. We've done a lot of work over over lockdown and things like that with the um, with key workers. We had a big project, um, Walker Shortbread. We're kind enough to drop off. Um, I think it was I think it was five thousand boxes of shortbread. Wow, that's not that much. That's a lot of shortbread. Um, and we had loads of volunteers that that kind of distributed it to all key workers across Edinburgh in the hospitals, care homes, hospices, emergency services. Um, so that was good, and it's just it's just kind of helping, helping these charities, um, and kind of adding a bit of funding that, that 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 can help them do what can they continue to do the great job they're doing. So um, it's 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 going well so far. Um, obviously, as I say, COVID's kind of put a bit of a bump in the road for it for the foundation at the minute, but it's um, we're we're doing as much as we can and and try to fundraise as much as we can as well. Yeah, just, you know, like kids who have been affected by COVID and can't really go out and play football or sports with their friends anymore, like, what kind of words or advice would you be able to give them to kind of, so if you could say to them right now, like, what, what would you say to try to support them and help them, you know, they can't really get out and play any yeah, sport? Yeah, I think it's it's obviously it's a difficult, really difficult situation, um, especially for kids that 
potentially I've, I've been used to um, having organised sport and maybe having the routine and training two nights a week and playing at the weekend. That's that's great for, for all kids growing up um, and to have that taken away is, is really difficult. But I think I think it's just about keeping active um, as much as you can. I mean, um, I think being outside and, and kind of burning energy how, however you, you can do it really is, is good for you. It's, it's, um, it does make you feel good about yourself. I, I know personally when I'm kind of stuck in the house for a period of time, it, I, I get grumpy, I get moaning and um, start taking out on people around me. So, like that's all uh, the point, yeah. Ah, exactly. I just I just need to get out and, and kind of get a bit fresh air and, and use up a bit of energy. So I, I, my advice would be to kind of just try and keep as active as possible. Um, if you... You can always have a ball if you've got a ball to yourself. You can always you can always do a bit and practice a bit, and um, that's easily done. So kind of keep on top of that sort of stuff. But I'd say just be be as active as possible. Um, I know it's difficult at times, but um, be be focused and active, and hopefully it'll, it'll not be too long until we can do that organised football back uh, back regularly. Yeah, not long now. Just you know, and then. Hopefully, like post COVID, you know it'll be, it'll be it'll be different, definitely. But what what's in the kind of future for the the foundation is post COVID once you can start going and moving forward again? Have you thought that far ahead, or are you? Um, I just it's probably more more of the same. Really, we've got a few ideas in terms of initiatives we want to start. Um, probably again football related. Try to get these uh, these kids um, and and a probably more organised sport um, and, and just, just probably just taking part and enjoying, enjoying football um, so there's a few things a few ideas that we're kind of working on and in terms of probably have to do a, a good bit of fundraising as well because all all the money that we get we're, we kind of don't get any it's not as if we're, we're getting grants left right and centre it's any money that we we give out it's money that we've raised so um, we'll need to do a bit of fundraising as well and um, I mean, all credit to to Graham and and the team as well that um, they put on some unbelievable events for for myself and Lucy's testimonials. So um, we've got we've got great people to to raise, uh, to kind of organise these fundraisers when they when they can happen. And I think when the time comes to um, where kind of social distancing is a bit relaxed and we could have potentially like dinners and, and large events then there will be there'll be some incredible nights that, that we can raise a lot of money for um just just again to help all these all these people that are doing a lot of good work around Edinburgh. Brilliant, thank you. Um thank you very much for your time tonight and I wish you all the best of luck with the rest of the season and a right, thank future you. and a thank you very much once again. No problem. Well, that concludes today's interview. Thanks very much to our interviewer, Louis Cooper, and our interviewee, Paul Hanlon, for a fascinating discussion on Paul's career and his foundation. If you've enjoyed this episode, then feel free to check out more of them right here on Spotify. Or why don't you head over onto our YouTube channel, Youth Football Scotland TV, for some more content over there. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more interviews, podcasts and other content coming soon.